Hello and welcome back to the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. This is the show for culture makers, where we help you think about the nature of human beings, what we do and what we make with the raw materials of this creation, and how those cultural activities reflect our relationship to God, to one another, and to the world. I'm Ryan Aris, and today it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Peter Jones to the podcast. Peter is Fellow for New Testament Theology and Christian Worldview here at the Ezra Institute. He's the Associate Pastor at New Life Presbyterian Church in Escondido, California. He's the Director of Truth Exchange and also Scholar-in-Residence at Westminster Seminary, California. This is Episode 9 of Season 1 of the Podcast for Cultural Reformation, and today we're going to be talking about one of the significant cultural visions that's opposed to the Christian worldview, and that is resurgent paganism in the West and its utopian goals for culture. So, Dr. Jones, welcome to the show. It's a real pleasure to have you here. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Excellent. Now, the way that uh, the way that we have been running our podcast is that I'll start out by reading a passage of Scripture here, and then I'll just ask you a couple of questions about how how the original readers of this text would have understood it, and how people in our own day and age can can understand and apply it as well. Okay. And uh, our passage is uh, Romans one, eighteen to twenty five. We read. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So, Dr. Jones, maybe you could just uh, start out by saying what Paul's Roman audience would have been uh, would have been thinking, would have had in mind as they were reading this letter of his. Well, it's a good question because when Paul is talking about God, the Creator. It's like Moses talking about God the Creator in the second millennium BC because paganism does not recognize a Creator. And so it's, it's a radical idea. And that's a central part of the gospel, actually, hmm. is when we speak about the Creator in a pagan world. That was the gospel that Moses took to Egypt and Canaan, as a matter of fact. Uh, that there is actually a personal creator, that the universe is ethical Hmm. and has meaning, and intelligence can be described as having a normal source in a higher intelligence, things like this, that the ancient world didn't know about. And since they had rejected the very notion, then they started worshipping the things that they saw, as Paul lays it out, 
animals and creeping things and human beings, which all come around in verse 25 to the general statement, they worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator. So that's the state of the ancient world, the time of Moses. It's the state of the ancient world in the time of Paul. And it's interesting, it's becoming the state of our world. We have gone through a long period where people took as normative the idea of a creator. Right. Uh, right. And now, from it's, the, uh, now it's coming back around again. From the dominance of Christianity beginning in maybe the 4th century up till the 20th century. Uh, people thought that way. And so we called it uh, a Christian civilization or mm -hmm. Christendom. Mm -hmm. But now we've moved into a very different time. You never hear the term Christendom anymore describing the modern world. No. It's either modernity or postmodernity. It's a scientific revolution. And there's no notion of God the Creator. So that text needs to be heard again in our time. Because our time is spending all kinds of money trying to find spirituality in the worship of creation, just the way the ancients did. So we're in a very new time, which is very old. And that text is should be at the forefront of our gospel witness. How did how did we uh, just in uh, in in broad sketches? How did we get to that point? How did we get to uh, to the point where we've we've tried to sort of leapfrog back over centuries of, yeah, well, of Christendom? You do have from the Reformation on the development of faith in human reason. Mm -hmm. The Reformation said we can think for ourselves; we don't have to have the church think for us. But then you have the development of the Enlightenment and the development of secularism that really makes human reason to be the source of everything. And you have really in the 19th and 20th century really the beginning of the dominance of that kind of thinking. And Christianity is already feeling the power of that until you get to our period, which interestingly is starting to no longer believe in the power of reason and is turning away from secularism. It is actually turning back to this text in Romans, turning to the worship of nature. Hmm. And it really is a spiritual process, uh, seeking in the elements of nature and of human experience, reasons for worship. So that's how it all happened. We began to lose it with secular humanism. And then, of course, the secular humanists lost their faith in reason. And people in general were following that movement, have now adopted what I like to call a revival of paganism, of spiritual paganism. Spiritual paganism. Can you, can you define uh, spiritual paganism? 
while it's a taking seriously of the fact that we don't have a theory for origins because we've rejected God as the creator. All we have is creation, mm-hmm. nature, matter, and and yet we're f- spiritual beings. And so we have to turn our situation into a spiritual situation, which is what the ancients did, mm-hmm. and worship nature in many different ways. And that finally turns out into worshiping ourselves, as a matter of fact. But not in the sense of that guy's really in love with himself. Mm-hmm. More the only sign of divinity that we can find is the human being because we're so bright and intelligent. So we will worship that. Good for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we become really the spiritual source of the universe. And we will seek to know ourselves. And so we get involved in all kinds of methodologies and uh, we engage in yoga and mindfulness meditation and altered states of consciousness and it's all with the goal of seeking a deeper sense of who we are at the very essence of our being that might be actually as i say it it might be the spiritual source of identity politics today. Interesting. That we have had to identify ourselves as the real source of spirituality, and so we go within to find out more about that. But if we are the source of it, then our identity becomes the essential element that we have to know and define and we're defining it in all kinds of ways, but it may very well be part of this focus, spiritual focus on who we are as human beings as the key to the cosmos. What, what, is, the, what is the goal or what is the end game of this, uh, this self-worship, and this uh, spiritualizing and uh, deifying of, of ourselves? What are, what are we... What are we trying to accomplish or, or get to with that? I think we're trying to get to the heart of existence. What does it mean to exist in this world? We are spiritual beings made in God's image, and so we do have these spiritual desires, as Paul is saying in Romans from verse 18 onwards. <laughs> we're looking mm-hmm. for signs of God in the universe. And uh, Paul says they're all there to be seen, and we didn't make them, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so there must be a maker. But many of us are not concluding that. We we understand we're in a spiritual reality, and we must find out as far as we can what that means. And so our search for meaning is trying to go to the very nth degree of where we're looking, which is in within ourselves. Now, I don't know why that will produce utopia, as a matter of fact, because mm. we may be terribly disappointed by the <laughs> end of our search that really we didn't have much to give. And of course, that's, that's what the Apostle 
well, no, that's what Prophet Isaiah says. I'm preaching at uh, your church, Grace, is it? Uh, it's uh, Westminster Chapel. Westminster Chapel. Yeah, looking forward uh, to it. On Sunday, yeah. on Isaiah 46, and God is revealing all this through Isaiah, and God says people are looking for this stuff, but they'll never find it. Hmm. So, utopia will turn out to be a dystopia, because it won't satisfy us. Mm -hmm. But we'll have to do something. And the problem when one is focused on human beings is when you define human beings as divine, you define them as powerful, and the most powerful get to rule. Mm -hmm. And everyone else has to do what the most powerful say is true. And that is the real dysphoria and dystopia. What uh, what is the difference? Because we've uh, we've been talking uh, earlier while you while you were here about uh, about this this idea of power, and that uh, that power in itself is not is not inherently bad. Power is necessary to do anything. But uh, what is uh, I guess, what is the difference between the uh, the utopian social plan and the rule and reign of God? Well, one is true, the other is false. So you need okay, sure, good. You need true power. False power is evil, bad. Right. It's true. You you do need power, but you have to locate a true source and genuine source for power, and that's in God Himself. Anyone else claiming that kind of power can only end up in some kind of demonic expression hmm. of power. You, you've written uh, and, and spoken extensively on, uh, and w one of the things that I just read uh, read of yours is an essay based on a, a lecture you gave called "The Coming Pagan Utopia." Um, is uh, is utopia or utopianism inherently pagan? Are there are there different sort of strains or understandings of utopia? Well, you know, you have the Marxist utopia where Finally, people act unselfishly and everyone does what everyone else needs and gives mm. to people what they need. But that's a false view of humanity. It mm -hmm. assumes that we are not changed and deeply influenced by sinfulness. And so we have a false view of the human being. And that will turn into dystopia too. It's a strong utopian Marxism that thinks if you can get rid of all the structures, then everyone will simply act in an unselfish manner. I, I, I think we can only expect great disappointment with that kind of a utopia. You add to Marxism a sort of spirituality, which is what we have now, hmm. which sort of claims to go much deeper than Marx, uh, but really doesn't get much deeper because it's still the human being. And that kind of utopia as well will be vastly disappointing and will end up in, as we've been saying, a, a demonic dystopia. So without that, uh, that transcendent referent or without that, uh, that right. transcendent authority, any, uh, right. any man-made effort at utopia is 
is inherently demonic. Or, Absolutely or correct. Is yeah. ultimately demonic. Ultimately, I, yes. I guess I should say. Uh, you you made a point uh, in your in your book about uh, about a, a tactic of utopian uh, activists that uh, of uh, of scapegoating scapegoating the. Uh, the fruits of uh, of Western civilization. <laughs> what was uh, what earlier went by the name Christendom, and I thought it was really interesting because you you mentioned that uh, they they set up they set up set it up as kind of a binary. There's there's either um, I guess evolution. There's either the uh, this this utopian plan put into effect, and then boom, the sun comes out and everyone's everyone's happy. Or else, um, a cataclysmic destruction. I, I was born in the '80s. I grew up in the '90s, watching cartoons like Captain Planet. So I, I've always heard that uh, you know it's uh, it's it's bad to pollute, and corporations are the leading polluters. Um, what is the Christian's proper attitude or response towards the planet? Um, how do we? Uh, we well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I was on the mission field when you were growing up watching Captain Planet, and mm -hmm. I didn't e even hear of him. But they have a character called Gaia. She's this uh, yeah. Earth spirit. Which means the goddess and Earth. Right. Anyway, um, it just struck me as you were speaking that the biblical narrative begins with a garden mm -hmm. and ends with a city. Right. But it's a city with lots of garden. <laughs> and so you've got the impression that the garden has been taken care of and tilled and made beautiful. Like when people introduce golf courses into wild forest land. It makes it beautiful, I think, because hmm. I'm a golfer. Right. But um, I don't think that Christians should ever be against the care and beauty of the earth. Because God is the creator of it. Sure. In a certain sense, pagans shouldn't be doing it because there is no creator. We're not answerable to anybody. I guess they're motivated more by self-preservation, really. If this is all there is, and if Earth is our home, then we must take care of it. Otherwise, mm. we'll all disappear. And, of course, you do get a lot of really negative thinking about what we're doing to the planet. Some of it may be justified, some of it not justified. Mm. But um, So there are two motivations. There's worship of God the Creator as the Creator of the Earth. And then there's the worship of the self as the occupier and ultimately one responsible for the Earth. So sometimes Christians... And pagans will will agree on on a similar political action mm -hmm, from totally mm -hmm. different viewpoints. Right, right. So I don't think Christians should feel guilty when they're sometimes doing things that it seems like radical left wingers are doing as well. We just have to make sure that we make it clear why we're doing what we're doing. Right, right. Yeah, it's not like we're pro oil spills or anything like right, that. Right, right. I, I jumped ahead to that question because I was I was interested in it, but uh, I, I asked you earlier, and then I forgot to uh, to actually ask the question about this uh, this sort of dilemma of uh, of 
evolution or extinction that uh, that utopian activists have been mm-hmm. have been pressing. Why, why is that? Uh, why is that effective? Why is that a, a favorite tactic? Well, you know, evolution is funny because it it's very positive. We're all getting better, but as a matter of fact, the second law of thermodynamics says no, we're not. We're getting worse. I have a friend, John Sanford, that argues that most evolutionary changes are negative. And so there is a certain negative message to evolution that evolutionists don't talk about. They like to think that we're evolving to higher forms. Right. And uh, one of the strongest statements of that now is that we're moving from biological evolution to technical evolution. Technical evolution. Like, yeah, uh, we're, like... we're going to make machines that we can use to perfect our minds and we'll become uh, superior because we've been able to create a technical solution to death, for instance. Mm-hmm. And so there's a great deal of effort being put into the research, into robotics and uh, intelligent uh Thinking, uh, what is it? it um, oh, what's the phrase we use? Anyway, it's um, it's is that, is that transhumanism? It's transhumanism is the term. So that's become for the leading edge of this movement the most important thing we can do. Huh. They've realized we've come to the end of our biological development, <laughs> and it won't, it won't get any better. And that's uh, that's the goal of artificial intelligence. Artific- that's right. Oh, okay. A- AI, artificial intelligence. Right. That's what I was right. Doctor Jones, like, what would you say to, uh, to to someone in the pew or to somebody who wants to uh, sort of take this home, keep this in mind, and uh, raise their kids, lead their family in a in a God glorifying way with this in mind? How how does this? Uh, where does the rubber meet the road as we're talking about uh, about paganism and utopia? Well, it meets the road in the sense that our children are being influenced by all this kind of ideology in their schools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like I was with Captain that's Planet. That's right. And I think we as parents have to be aware of all that's being fed to our children to do some thinking about it and try to also think biblically so that we can discuss with our children as intelligent human beings, which they are, uh, that there are other options than the one that they hear in school hmm. and hopefully uh, make a good case for a Christian worldview, which I do think is the only worldview that makes any sense. Ultimately, we're trying to get our children to think in the most intelligent way. Now, I've, I've, I've kind of lost count of the, uh, the amount of books that you've written. So uh, have I. <laughs> but... You're not uh, you're not slowing down. What are you What are you working on next? What's uh, What's going on with uh, with Peter Jones? Well, I have actually finished a manuscript uh, trying to analyze the mindset that goes into the justification of homosexuality as uh, a valid sexual expression for a human being created in God's image. Trying to put it not not in terms of moralism and mm-hmm. 
you know, you are awful and so on. But in terms of cosmology, how did God create the cosmos? Mm-hmm. And what is the secret to the cosmos? And I like to say the secret to the cosmos is twoism. Twoism. That two-ness is the secret of how everything is put together. It's the secret of who God is relative to us, distinct from us and yet genuinely related to us. It's a secret of how we make babies. It's the secret of the computer system with the uh, binary system as the source of uh, intelligence. And indeed, language is a binary system because every word means something different. And if it didn't, we couldn't talk to each other. <laughs> so the, the binary system is the way the universe functions. And we're living in a time with the powerful influence of the sexual movement, uh, where the binary is now being eliminated. And we're talking about non-binary thinking and non-binary self-definition and so on. And we're getting to a, a stage where this really is becoming the essence of the meaning of the cosmos uh, and in a certain sense coming back to truth where the confrontation as Paul said is between the truth and the lie or in our time between the binary and the non-binary <laughs> but it's the same kind of fundamental face-off that we will no longer be able to avoid and we will see more and more cultures and governments trying to silence us because they don't want to face the fact of the truth of the binary. But we have to have the courage to actually keep going. Hmm. That sounds so that's, that's the book that I have published, and now I'm trying to find a publisher to do it. So Right, right on. Well, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's, that sounds fascinating. I look forward to seeing that. Dr. Jones, thank you so much for being with us this day. Well, thank you for your good questions. I, uh, I don't often get asked questions about some of my articles that I've written some years ago. It's good for me to, <laughs> to remember that that's what I did indeed write. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast for Cultural Reformation. Please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music and leave us a rating or a review. For more Ezra Institute resources, please visit www.ezrainstitute.ca.